0: welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. You can find out about this and all of our author events at www.skylightbooks.com. At our website, you can also browse our inventory as well as order books online. And don't be afraid to follow us on Twitter or even be our friend at facebook.com. If you'd like to talk to a real person, we can be reached at 323-660-1175. Thanks for listening and enjoy. We finally meet Jeff Johns again <laughs> for the first time. Yeah. time. Hi, everybody. Hello.
1: Thanks for coming out yeah. on a Saturday night. Yeah. Or evening.
0: Evening or whatever. Um, who here's like a hardcore Green Lantern fan? Yeah. Who's who's kind of just getting into it? Cool. All right. Well, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna try to not get too crazy. You know. We'll see what happens. Uh, let me just give a little introduction to Jeff. Um, Jeff Johns, the writer the man, the producer, all those things Um, his impact on uh, modern American superhero comics is probably incalculable at this point I would say so Um, (laughs) he's written so many books but um, probably best known for his run on The Flash and of course Green Lantern which he's still doing now Um, he's uh, taken these characters that I think for a long time were not selling anything or Doing much of anything, and and you kind of brought them into the present day, but somehow tied them back to what made them good in the first first place. Um, You recently got appointed the chief creative officer. Is that the position? Yep. Okay. I don't know what it means. (laughs) It's nice. It's 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 a a good title for DC Comics and Entertainment, and uh, so that means he's not just writing anymore. He's talking about the movies, the cartoons, the you name it. Um, so, the Chief Creative Officer, was that originally just publisher? Did they, sp- did it split, like, um, the series the, a series of jobs? The goal
1: for DCE is to, uh, um, the goal for DCE is to be more integrated with Warner Brothers and, and uh, get the features out, get the more animated series out, more live action series. Uh, I'm over, I over to toys, which is awesome. <laughs> uh, um, and then I work with the publishers, but it's I guess it's kind of a new title because Warner Bros is getting so aggressive with exploring the DC library, um, which is awesome. So uh, I've been consulting with them on um, Flash and Green Lantern for the last uh, year, and now I'm just going to be working on all the all the DC movies. And um, I'm co-producing Green Lantern. I was on the phone with Mark Strong today, talking about Sinestro. Tell him to read Sinestro Court; he'll be fine. Um, so it's it's been really fun.
0: That's awesome. I I just plowed through all that stuff. It is like. An amazing mythology. Um, what first got you into comics?
1: Um, probably like anybody, I just I found an old box of them uh, mm. that belonged to my uncle, I think, and I just read some. And but I, I think I remember Super Friends. Uh, yeah. You you like? Yeah, I like Friends. Super Friends.
0: <laughs> That's cool.
1: Yeah.
0: Who's the chief guy? Apache yeah, chief. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> he just says it like he's got it right there. No, I like him. So as far as like. Green Lantern, which, I don't know, at least kind of in my viewpoint, that seems to be the thing that really, of all the things you've done, it really hammered home with people, really connected with people. What do you like about the Green Lantern? Like, when did you first I guess, encounter that character?
1: Uh, I first saw him on Super Friends, probably. Um was this, like, guy with a big, t- he had a real big tan or something weird. Because um, he was from Coast City, I guess. So that was supposed to be California. But I, I, I mean, that was just a uh, you know, it was kind of just a, a colorful version of a character that could fly around, but I really got into it um, and when Steve Englehart wrote it in the 80's with John Stewart and Hal Jordan were, we're both Green Lantern and Guy Gardner was introduced, but uh, the thing that I, I love about Green Lantern is it was always about overcoming fear and I, I really um, I really think fear is a, a a force in society that's so strong and so um, it's not tangible, like we can't put it in a cup you can't measure it, but it, it controls our lives. We overcome fear every time you get in the car, walk out the door. For me, planes, um, you know, uh, uh, it's, it's, um, it, I, I always, like, I hate the news whenever they're like, um, they tell you something has a E. coli, or there's a breakout, and then they, they don't tell you what it is. They say you have to watch at 11, so they kind of scare you into watching the news. It's just annoying. Um, and uh, and the way that we're hammered with fear over and over again every day, especially I think in American society, I, that's why I like Green Lantern. Is it's all about overcoming fear. It's it's relatable. Like um, I find Marvel heroes very interesting and, and cool, and uh, and kind of um, aspirational. Like you want to be Iron Man, uh, you want to put on that suit. But Green Lantern, he's asp- aspirational. You want that ring, but it's also inspiration. It's it's there's something about what we do every day. It's, you know, we don't deal with technology every day that, that we can wear and, and fly around with. But in order to power that ring, you have to overcome fear. And so that's what would appealed to me is that the superhero, you know, the superhero myth works the best when it relates to something. Like su- Superman is all about trying to fit in when he never will. Mm-hmm. Um, Batman is dealing with loss. We all have loss and he's dealing with it in his own way. And So uh, I think the biggest heroes, to me, and the best heroes are the ones that really resonate personally. I think that's why opening up the door with Green Lantern and, and making it all about emotions and making emotions tangible and real—and um, that's what superheroes are—they're metaphors for life. Uh, if you—if you have this power, this green energy that that you can wield, if you overcome fear, it's—it's uh, it's just symbolic, and it's I think the best kind of superhero symbolism.
0: I read. So I um, basically been reading everything you wrote. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, and uh, I was struck by something you wrote in Green Lantern Issue 3, you know, this current run. And uh, it's just, this is at the time that Hal Jordan's flying around. He's having this interi- in, like, internal monologue with himself. He's saying, I look around today at the way we live. We're arming s- security systems, putting metal detectors in schools, and looking over our shoulders at airplanes. The news shouts, tonight at 11, find out which major drug company can make you sick. Is this the life I'm coming back to? Is this the strongest emotion in the universe? Is fear what controls everyone and everything? And he says, of course, in a Hal Jordan way, yeah, I don't think so. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I liked your your characterization of, I have to be honest, man, like every time I ever saw Hal, I first got into Hal Jordan um, during the Green Arrow Green Lantern run you know that Neil Adams did and you know during that like Green Lantern was just portrayed as like a square you know like yeah. establishment guy.
1: Yeah. Um, he's he, It's funny because Green Lantern actually was he's so anti-establishment. Yeah exactly. You no know, he's, yeah. he's the exact opposite I think in the 70s they did this Neil it great great run Denny O'Neil and Neil Adams did this Green Lantern Green Arrow book where they they teamed up two superheroes and this is when they were really getting about uh, they were starting to become about more than just fighting bad guys. Uh, they're dealing with social issues like racism and everything else for the first and drug use for the very first time in comics. They had like um, Green Arrow sidekick, Speedy was hooked on heroin, unfortunate name. Um, should've, should've yeah
0: should have been Speedy. Yeah, uh,
1: the, uh, but it was right on the cover. And if that happened today, I think people would freak out on the internet and they'd, they'd say we're destroying society and all this stuff. But um, they really tackled the hard issues. And, the unfortunate thing is that they did it in. Uh, they used Green Lantern, who'd always been, fu- you know, the Green Lantern. For people who don't know, let me explain the Green Lantern Corps very simply. Is that it's an intergalactic police force run by these little blue guys that look like really old Smurfs, and they <laughs> they're the guardians of the universe. And they, they uh, they've created this police corps to, to uh, patrol and protect the universe. And they've um, they've gra- they, they basically their technology is to harness willpower. So it, for me, and I actually believe this, um, we all give off emotions, and you can walk in a room and kind of tell when somebody's upset. Some of it's body language, but it is kind of like we give off an emotion. So the guardians have have been able to develop this technology that harnesses willpower. So when we when we overcome fear, when we do something that, that requires any kind of will willpower, we give off this we give off this invisible aura, this green energy that they can coalesce into a to a um, into a power battery in a ring, and, and therefore their policemen are all chosen because they can overcome fear and access this power and create anything anything they desire um, in a construct, a shape with, with the power ring. But Hal Jordan had always, the guardians are very uh, removed from humanity. They're devoid of emotion completely. I think, uh, in my opinion, because they fear it, they're actually afraid of emotion because what how volatile emotion can be. Um, from love to rage, it's, it's hard to control our emotions. Um, and, uh, and Hal was always anti-establishment because he would always talk back to the Guardians. Um, and in the 1960s, you know, it was very cartoony, and very base, but it was there. And then in the 70s, they did this run where um, they teamed him up with Green Arrow, who's a very liberal character, and they pushed Hal Jordan to a conservative, um, and they made him the straw man for all these arguments. So he had to learn you know oh, racism exists that's weird like yeah. it, you know they made him really they, they they dumbed him down in order to prove a point which at the time was fine but um but yeah, the, yeah. the character because the run was so popular the character did get painted with a brush that yeah. i i don't think was intended for uh at his inception and he became kind of known as a uh, a real kind of square jawed boring superhero and so my my hope was to bring him back to the anti-establishment always questioning the rules uh, a daredevil not quite understanding still what it means to be uh, overcoming fear he watched his, his father die in a plane crash when he was a little kid and he became a pilot anyway and he kind of did it to prove I'm not afraid I want to be just like my dad but I'm not afraid so is he
0: afraid of anything
1: well he is afraid he just he, he overcompensates sometimes he leaps mm-hmm. into things he he thinks he'll figure it out on the way down. There, there was one of my favorite scenes I wrote was in a, in a crossover. The world's about to end and everyone's freaking out. And he looks at Green Arrow and goes, "Hey, I got ball. Uh, to the ball game uh, Wednesday. You want to go?" It's like, "Are you?" And then and this character, Blue Beetle, is like, "Are you? Are you crazy?" He's crazy, isn't he? He's like, "Yeah." Green Arrow's like, "Yeah, he's, he's crazy. He just doesn't, you know, he just doesn't worry about uh, destruction and death. And he always knows they'll figure a way out. Um, but it's, it's a." Uh, it's, it's tricky that, you know, the characters, all these characters from Flash to, to Iron Man even Iron Man was very kind of um, straight-laced until they, they did the whole Demon in the Bottle storyline and, and Armor Wars and all that and they broke him down even Didn't they have
0: Hal drinking for a while? Yeah,
1: they had Didn't him Didn't he well have they, a
0: drinking problem for a little bit?
1: They had him, yeah, they had they had him drinking uh, which is, which, in the origin story they did in the 80s when they were trying to really ground him and I believe characters should be flawed we're all flawed, but it felt very, <clears throat> it felt very unrelated to what his, uh, what his whole uh, being was about. What the me- metaphor for the book was about. Green Lantern should be about overcoming fear, just an inception from base level, and uh, in my opinion. And so they, they tacked on well, he's, he, he got drunk and he got a, he got in like an accident. And he was kind of repenting for that, and it didn't feel like it really meant. Um, uh, it, it really challenged him to overcome fear, so I wanted to get back to that.
0: Well, it seemed like, it didn't seem like it, it was like this. In the 80s, I remember it's like it seemed like you could phone in and kill off Robin, you yeah. know, and then we they killed Superman, and then they wiped out Hal Jordan's home city, and it just seemed like, uh, I don't know, it's like, that. I mean that was really what, going into the Green Lantern Rebirth, You literally in your proposal for it at the back of the the absolute. You're literally my proposal, and you literally your proposal is how I'm going to explain or take us away from that. You know, because basically didn't like Hal Jordan went like kind of genocidal and killed a bunch of yeah they they well or it it, wasn't him. It's
1: and it's not like uh, I mean, DC Comics publishes comics. And and in the 90s they got hit hard by Image Comics and they, they made a lot of moves to try and get attention and, and shake up the characters, um, so they they went as extreme. After Superman died, they're like, wow, we can, you know. And these characters can take anything. Like we could probably screw Superman up really really bad, and I'm sure we have in stories. But he bounces back because he's so resilient, and so many people know who he is. The other characters aren't as resilient because they're not in the zeitgeist as well, like Green Lantern. But yeah. um, but uh, but in the 90s they comic books were, were very flashy and very uh, very much about the, the shock value and, and I think a little bit of desperation, too, to not feel old. Um, and so that's... that's it just But it seemed it to me
0: like, I mean, I had this problem going back, like Marvel Comics, the X-Men comics, had the Phoenix saga. You know, at one point, she swallows an entire planet of like 8 billion people. And uh, anyway, they're all gone. They're all dead. And at the time, Jim Shooter said, you can't let her live. She has to die. Like, that's she committed genocide. Yeah, yeah. She destroyed an entire planet. And and it kind of like, when they push that character into, I, I don't know, push him into actions that really don't fit his character. I mean, it's like, how do you come back from that? You know what I mean? That was yeah. the challenge you were facing. Like, yeah. how, do you, how do you come back from a character who killed a lot of people.
1: Yeah, you know? well, and then the other challenge you have in comic books is that everybody kind of grows up with, their, I grew up in like the late 80s and early 90s, so there's a sweet spot like I like Geo Force, who's a terrible character but I, I like him because I remember reading about him when I was, you know, 10 years old but, uh, you know so you have people, you know uh, readers, you have, a, you have a segment of readers too that grew up with Hal Jordan going crazy and so that's the first time they ever met him and so it's, you know, it's, it is tough to re- recover from that.
0: Which well, is they kept trying to do different things, right? They, they like, kept, what were some
1: of the things they... Well, they kept trying to redeem them. Um, they, they basically held Jordan. At one point, um, the editor, it, the book was not selling. The editors decided they are going to replace Hal Jordan, and they decided that he's going to go crazy and kill Green Lanterns and then then uh, become a villain. And they did it, and quite honestly, it's it's a, if you look at the storyline, and, and I took it as a piece of his art, of, of his journey as a character when I did Green Lantern Rebirth, Is that he gave in to fear? I was like, well, if he's going to go that dark, something happened where he was afraid that Coast City, his city was destroyed. He was afraid it was going to happen again. Um, Yeah, and that's interesting when
0: you said that. Like, his fear was that it was going to happen again. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, that sounds a lot like America. Yeah. Well, you must have been thinking that.
1: Yeah. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you got to remember, too, this was like 2000, I think, three or two, I wrote the proposal. So it was, 9 11 was still really, um, you know, really. Fresh in everybody, speci- especially uh, um, New York and DC Comics, but everybody's—you know—everybody's you know, everybody's still thinking about and talking about 9/11. They always, you know, I think, they will for obviously forever. But there, then, it was like a lot of uh, worry on—you know—there was a- that anthrax scare. There were scares every other day, yeah. Um, and there still are. You know, you, I've never—I haven't been to the airport and seen it below, even Burbank. It's—they've got like all these grades of of terror, or fear that we should feel. They have red, which is like
0: colors, yeah. get out
1: of here, and then it's all, and then they have like orange, orangish yellow, yellow, you know, yellow, a different yellow, <laughs> and then like green, and it's never been, it's always been orange ever, like since since I've seen it. Um,
0: and, and so, what, and, and,
1: and that's not wrong. It's just that's what everyone thinks, but but that's why I, I wanted. To, I thought it was more relevant now. Green lantern is actually more relevant now than. For, for an American superhero than I think, and, and probably the world, than I think he, he ever was.
0: So you want him to stand in contrast to, I guess, it seems to be, the fear thing still seems to predominate. Yes. And you want him to be literally a hero who stands in the, in the face of that. Yeah. Uh, that brings me to a part, I'm a hardcore Batman fan, um, and in Green Lantern Rebirth, Batman gets his ass kicked, like yeah. Hal Jordan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Because Batman's basically like, well, I have to admit, like me or a lot of other people who are like, oh, come on, I don't trust this guy. He just killed millions of people or, you know, and he, he yeah. just kept going into Green Lantern's face. And, and he said something like, what was it? Um, oh, it, yeah, he said, uh, you know, like, uh, I will tell me what you're going to do. And, and, are like, and he's like, well, I don't have time for this right now. I got to go see the world.
1: Yeah, well, the like no I, I always imagine Green, if Green Lantern's all about overcoming fear, then if you're at a Justice League meeting, we're hanging out, like Batman comes in, everybody's like, oh, they're, you know, they're kind of freaked out by him, except Hal Jordan's like, hey man, <laughs> and it bothers Batman that he can't get at Hal Jordan, you know, it, it. so those two have this kind of, and he's all about light, and you know, he comes in bright and shining, and he lets the villain see him, and Batman's, you know, he's trying to sneak up behind him, and Hal Jordan's shining his light on Batman, and he's like, hey,
0: you do you like Batman?
1: I, I love Batman. I'm working on a Batman graphic novel right now.
0: Yeah, but the uh, Earth One.
1: Yeah, but but for me, if I'm going to write a Green Lantern story, right. it's about Green Lantern, and it's about hey, how's it going? You want to sit down? Okay. <laughs> it's about. Uh, uh, it's got to be
0: about. Um, yeah, the contrast was really yeah, great. Yeah, I
1: thought those two characters worked out really well, and in the comics prior, they had had. When when Hal Jordan Green Lantern was a villain, they had had Batman um, really be kind of his main antagonist, you know, for, in the JLA. Whenever they had him guest star.
0: So now that you've okay, so after you brought him back,
1: yeah. And uh, there was also a lot of discussion about um, the you know he had gone he had gone gone uh, kind of crazy and killed all these characters and and I wanted to absolve him of that at least. Uh, mostly, and so, which is why I created this this character, Parallax, I took and, and created into a uh, living embodiment of fear that literally possessed him and, and took him over in a m- moment of weakness when he let fear get the best of him. And there was a lot of debate about, you know, do you completely absolve Hal from all the, the storyline? You're wiping out the story, and I, and I was very adamant saying, I don't want to write a story about, I don't want to write a Green Lantern book about him every five minutes going, I can't believe what I lost it, I can't believe what I did. I wanted to get back to the essence of Green Lantern, which is overcoming fear, which is why I, I chose that.
0: But is there still, I would still imagine that there would be lots of people in the core and in the cosmos around that would say, well, I don't buy it.
1: Well, we did that for about, I, I
0: wrote I that, saw you did that for yeah, for about
1: uh, a year, a, a year and a half, but one, once I got to Sinestro core, it was like, okay, we've kind of played that, uh, that beat. Yeah. You know, and now they just look at him, and I think it's, they look at him He's like an Earth man. Like, oh, Earth. That place sucks, you know. And they're, and they're they're like they're they're born on their planet. They're they die on their planet. Like it's backwater. Like they think it's like a tiny little town, like outside Bakersfield. Geez, I'm yeah. starting to feel
0: bad now. Yeah. Being an Earthling.
1: Well, it's yeah, it's tough.
0: So then, what well, you establish this parallax character as literally, I, you guys know that the green, the the yellow color is was the weakness for the green land well, for so many years.
1: In this in the 60s, I, I hope I'm, I hope we're not getting too too. Fanboy for the people that don't Are know. Are we getting
0: characters. to fanboy? Uh, Anyone? No, okay. okay.
1: We'll try. I'll try and pull it back as much as I can. In the 60s, everybody had a kryptonite. Like Aquaman could, if Aquaman was out of the water for like an hour, he died or something. Um, and so he never had a watch, but he did anyway. Um, and uh, Green Lantern, his ring wouldn't work on yellow, and they never really desc- said why. It just was yellow. I always assumed it was because yellow is the color of fear. They probably probably did too, but it was never stated. So when I Worked on Green or Rebirth. I really wanted to say, well, why was that yellow thing? Why was that yellow thing there? What, what would it mean? And so, um, uh, if gr- if green was willpower and, and harness willpower, then if you harness fear, I said, well, it'd be yellow. I thought it'd be yellow. And then when that happened, I just started to say, well, there's probably we all give off all these emotions. There's probably a whole range of emotions. There's there's rage and there's love and there's hope and and that's kind of what, how, do, how the other core developed these other, eventually in the, in the run that I did, I developed these other Lantern core, and they're, they're all very different. Like the Red Lanterns are all about rage. And, and so that's really where, uh, where, where Parallax, this yellow entity came from.
0: Yeah, um, so the movie that's gonna come out, you can tell us as much as you can or as little or whatever, but is the focus gonna be on Sinestra?
1: Uh, the movie is. I can't <laughs> talk too much about it, um, but the Sorry. movie is. We're, we're in uh, week six, or uh, week seven now of shooting. Um, Hal's in it. Sinestro's in it. But he's he's a Green Lantern. A um, uh, villain named Hector Hammond is in it. Carol Ferris, Kilowog, Tomar Ray. A lot of the alien Green Lanterns. A lot of those guys are there. Green Man I think's in there too. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So yeah. So there's a bunch of them, but. Um, but yeah, I can't really. But it is It is all about you know, I I, uh, I got on the, they brought me on the movie about well about eight, nine, eight or nine months ago now with Michael Goldenberg, the screenwriter and we, we reworked the um, reworked the story a bit and got to the focus of, of fear versus willpower uh, and really pulled that out so the emotional spectrum and all that is, is central to the movie.
0: But I mean, it's uh, you've really since you've taken over the character, I've really given him a mythology and a, that, that I don't think he ever had before. Like as far as with all the different rings. Well,
1: he had, an, he had a mythology of all these Green Lanterns, but he didn't have, I think probably why it resonates, like you see people with Blue Lantern shirts now a Red Lantern a lot of Green Lantern shirts, but because it's, it's about emotion now. Yeah. So it resonates a little bit more personally with us. Uh, the best characters res- resonate. They they survive. I. This is one thing I tell executives at, at Warner Brothers and producers that I meet is that, you know, uh, Doctor Fate d- didn't survive decades because, you know, because, um, you know, we we didn't didn't survive decades just because they published him. He survived because there was inherent elements in there that just appeal to people, whether it be that cool gold gold helmet with the eyes peering through, which is cool, or you know, what, what or his name or his powers or whatever is, is at the core appeals to generation after generation, just like Green Lantern or Superman or Batman. And the idea is not to to understand what those elements are. Yeah. You know, what is it what is appealing universally and, and personally to about these characters and capture that and keep keep everything to, everything serving that. Like if if you know Green Lantern's about overcoming fear and, and the difficulty with emotions uh, and, and then and charging in and, and trying to do whatever we can to make the world a better place everything 's got to be revolving around that, even if we start to get bringing crazy stuff like the shark or whatever yeah you know it's still got to be about overcoming fear
0: so who would you say is like your biggest influence as a writer
1: it 's hard to say, I think probably my biggest influences are um, uh, a, a cross between comic book writers and then writers I know personally. When I was when I first moved out here, I met Brian Helgeland, who's wrote L.A. Confidential, amazing writer, and he taught me a lot. Um, Richard Donner was my mentor. Uh, he directed Superman and Lethal Weapon. He taught me a lot about uh, story and, and character, and he was always about heart. Like how, and he, you would know, say, "Well, what's the scene? What's the scene really about?" And and so I look at a scene, and say, "It's Green Lantern versus Sinestro," but it's not about that. What's it really about? What's the comic really about? That's a challenge. I, I make to people, like, um, at DC we talk about it. You're publishing an Azrael book. Well, what's that book really about, though? Is it just about a guy who has a sword and stops crime? It's gotta be about something else, something more more potent. Um, but uh, other writers would probably be, um, I mean, Grant Morrison is one of my favorites. Growing up, I read his stuff. Peter Milligan. Um,
0: I always uh, see a lot of James Robinson.
1: Yeah, James Robinson. In, in your stuff. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of comic guys. I mean, I, I work with most of them now, which is really cool. Yeah. But uh, but probably that.
0: What's it like to sit in a room with like Mark Wade, Grant Morrison?
1: Oh, it's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> I fun. That. That would be yeah. Awesome. I mean, Grant's become a really close friend of mine, and, and I I like his. I tend to like writers like Brian Azzarello and Grant and um, and Peter Milligan. Guys that I I they do something I totally I, I don't do what they do. So I like just J- I really like because he approaches things so different differently than I do. Mm. Um, I really respond to that.
0: That's cool. So, with your job now, I mean, um, have you had to cut back on the writing at
1: all? Well, I was doing about. I was going to cut back anyway, but I, I I'm doing three books a month right now. I'll probably hold at three. Yeah.
0: So just, you're going to be doing the Flash.
1: Doing the Flash, Green Lantern, and Brightest Day, and then I've got. Um, after Brightest Day, I'll have a new monthly next year.
0: What was your first comic? Was it Star and Stars and Stripe? Stars and Stripe, yeah. yeah. Anyone remember that? It's, it's a bon- comic book. It's,
1: <laughs> it's about my, my sister. Uh, it's really for my sister. She died in a plane crash in uh, 1996. And, um, uh, and I wanted to create uh, something for her. And so I was working for Richard Donner, and I, um, I created this character, Stargirl, okay. And I pitched it. Actually, I met James Robinson, another comic book writer. But I pitched it to DC, who I'd, I'd met a bunch of DC people um, when I when I was working for Richard Donner and, and shooting a movie in New York. And uh, I pitched this idea to them, and they bought it. And so that was the first thing I did.
0: Yeah, definitely. and kind of
1: like, snowballed from there.
0: Yeah, I, I just remember you co-writing with was it was it Robinson or, was or David it, Goyer? Or Goyer, yeah.
1: yeah. I co-wrote David Goyer who wrote. You know dark Knight Batman begins and he's working on Superman right now. It's so surreal to work with him and and that stuff but uh
0: so how, how do you really deal fun. with the um how do you deal with like comic book fans can be very um vicious on yeah. like a on a yeah. on like a um like for me I'm not much of a continuity guy uh-huh. i mean it's, i like the broad strokes you know but um who was that guy that you were looking at? This is one piece of criticism that for me just stuck out, and it's kind of like, I don't know, I just don't think the internet's been very good for us fans, <laughs> we, well, it seems like we're not really afraid of saying anything.
1: Well, it's easy to throw, you know, it's, um, we always talk a lot, to, there's, there's a bunch of different kinds of people, there's people playing baseball, there's people enjoying the game, and then there's people heckling the players, and um, the hecklers are pretty loud, uh, but, you know, just don't go online. <laughs> It's a solution. <laughs> That's I, I like to. I, I mean, I, I. look at my. Own. I was talking to another writer uh, this week, and I. Um, I asked him. I said, uh, I just was kind of gauging him a little bit. I, I sometimes I. I like to talk craft a lot, and I said, you've written this book for a year. What would you have done differently if you could go back? And he said, um, he said I would have fought the editors harder against this, and I would have done. You know, I would have pushed back on this and not made let them make me do this, and and I. And he kept talking about all the mistakes everyone else did, and, I, and it, sa- it said a lot to me. I think as writers we have to always look back at our own work with the honesty and criticize our own work and listen to criticism constructively, because that's how we get better. It's certainly how I've gotten better. Um, I, wrote, I wrote a book, uh, a crossover called the Infinite Crisis, that had some good and, and some bad. Yeah. The ending didn't work out as well as I, I wanted to, so I looked at it and I said, well, why? People were saying, "Well, the arts diff bad, or this or that." I said, "No, I, I got to look at what I did, and I have to take it, put all pressure on me as a writer." And I learned from that. And I did the next crossover. I did was Sinestro Corps. And it was, it was much better. The ending was stronger. And, and then I tried to take what I learned on that, what was good and bad, and, and apply it to Blackest Night. And even the short stories, like um, you know, single issues, I always look back. I had dinner with another writer named Zeb Wells, who's a Marvel guy, and, and we were talking about this. And always going back, you always want to go back and read something you wrote a year ago, and you'll probably find something that, you know, that you've, you've gotten better at. Uh, there's those rare books, you know, that you're really happy with and, as a writer and that you wouldn't change. A lot of the work I've done with Gary Frank on Superman, I, I probably wouldn't change much on those, a lot of Green Lantern work, but there is a lot of work, too, that you look back and say, well, I would approach this differently now. So I think as a, a writer, criticism's important, but where you get it from is important, important too because the internet, you know, you don't know where everyone's coming from. If someone grew up with Kyle Rayner and loves that Green Lantern, they could just not like Green Lantern no matter what, unless Hal Jordan's not there. So it's, you, you know, you gotta kinda weigh everything, you know, the good and the bad. People say, oh, this is a great issue. You can't really buy into that either. You've, got, you've gotta kinda, you, you gotta kinda look outside it.
0: When I was in the when, I was reading the Green Lantern stuff. I always liked the tales of the Green Lanterns. Yeah, because I liked all the dudes that weren't white guys. Yep, like, yep. you know. And um, I think one thing I really like about the Green Lantern Corps now is that there is a Green Lantern Corps book. Yeah, and so it's not in Hal's work. It Seems to be working with these other you know um, races and and beings like interacting more than I think he ever he ever did in the past. Yeah, was that something that you? Yeah, like made a point of. Well, they
1: they had, you know Green Lantern was this awesome uh, idea of this Green Lantern Corps, this space cop thing, and when they introduced Kyle Rayner, they just dis- they destroyed the whole entire course so It was just a guy with a ring, and it changed the entire concept of what the Green Lantern is about. And so yeah, I w- I thought that was such a, a wealth of stories and, and characters and wonderful, wonderful tales of the Corps that we I wanted to bring it bring it back as strongly as I could.
0: Yeah, because then we have a mutual friend who always likes to tell his Green Lantern story. Who's that? Uh, Judd. Do you, do you, do you ever tell oh. his Green Lantern story about yeah, meeting yeah. Julius Schwartz? Yeah, yeah. He, okay. he, he, we had a friend when he was a kid, used to go, he like, like took the bus and went all the way down to DC Comics, went up to Julius Schwartz, and said he had a problem with the, the, the current run of the Green Lantern, which was, I think this would have been in the 80s. And uh, Julius Schwartz brought him into the office, hey kid, hey kid. And he said, "So what's the problem?" And he goes, well, I want where's Hal Jordan? I want Hal Jordan back." And uh, then I say, "I don't know how truthful that story is. I mean, I've talked to him a million times over, know. but it's a pretty great it's a pretty great story because he was as a kid he challenged Julius Schwartz, and Julius Schwartz sent him free comics for like years after that, just because as a kid he they brought in Mike Carlin into the room, they brought in all the editors at the time, and he told this guy told." He said, Julie said, Tell the, tell these guys what you told me. You know? Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> so here we go.
1: Yeah, it didn't do anything though, did
0: it? <laughs> not for that <laughs> yeah, not no. for that time. But yeah. no, I mean it, it seems like <laughs> But hey, you got free comics for a while. But uh, so what do you do you ever see yourself doing any kind of creator owned stuff or, or uh, I've
1: done some creator owned stuff in the past. I did a uh, graphic novel for humanoids called Olympus. I did a book for Wild called Possessed. I have another I do have a creator owned book it was supposed to come out this year because of the new gig. It's been put on the shelf for just a little longer. Um, but uh, you know, a lot of people ask me, "Why do you do so much DC Universe stuff?" And it's because I I like doing it. You know, I really enjoy DC the DC Universe. I, I love the superheroes, and I, I like in comics. That's where superheroes were born. Like, I don't quite understand people who there's there's you know people who who maybe turn their nose up at superheroes and think it's you know. Uh, it's lowbrow or it's, uh, there's a, a little bit of an elitist uh, elitist part of comic books where superheroes are kind of looked down on. And I, I, you know, it's, it's, superheroes are comics because that's where they came from. Like detective stories and everything else, great. But superheroes are the only thing that started in comics. And to me, that's something magical and, and interesting. And, and I think that if you look a little deeper at a lot of superhero stories, you'll see that they're, they've got as much, as much, uh, um, uh, value as a lot of the other books out there.
0: Well, I agree. I mean, I'm in an area, um, and we're in an area now where hipsters are the ruling class, and, um, you know, there's a lot of that attitude, but, um, I think it's strange having comic, really nicely stock comic book sections in a books, like a bookstore. Yeah. And it seems like people are really open to it. Yeah. And they see the, the value in superheroes. It's just, you know, there's badly written stuff in any uh, any, any, yeah, any genre. Any form.
1: Yeah, there's badly written. Just 'cause a movie's independent doesn't mean it's great, and vice versa. But uh, the um, but I also think it's great for kids to have superheroes. You know, I think it's fun. My nieces love Green Lantern. They love
0: Kilowog. They they watch the Green Lantern thing. All they do is talk about Kilowog. Why does the I was just reading one of the Green Lantern and Kilowog sounds like he's from the Bronx.
1: Yeah. He does. And I he told,
0: actually uses like terms. Yeah, I told,
1: uh, <laughs> we were going through the script on the movie and we, we, we bronxed up his dialogue a little bit.
0: That's <laughs> so. just one of those fun things. You yeah, it's do. fun. So thanks for talking. Um, would you take some questions sure. from the crowd? Anybody have any questions? Uh, is there a character that you would like to sink your teeth into, either in the DC universe or elsewhere? Uh, Wonder Woman,
1: probably. I've been thinking a lot about Wonder Woman lately. Francis Manipul sent me this cover he did of, of a Wonder Woman cover, and, and uh, he said, when are we gonna do Wonder Woman? And as soon as I saw the art, I um, I, I started thinking about stories. I'd like to tackle her. I think she could, She could. Um, you know, I, I think Flash and Green Lantern are well on their way to, a, to A-list status, but I, my hope is that Wonder Woman, J, JMS is gonna do a run right now, which is exciting, but my hope overall with DCE is to get Wonder Woman up to the, top of the of the food chain with everybody else
0: so is that a rebirth reinvent sort of thing or just take it on and make the character and
1: joke we'll see <laughs> yeah who made you interested in, comic books? Who made me interested in comic books probably uh i remember watching super friends with my brother um which is a cartoon like justice league and um and then i went to a store and i saw they had books about him and I thought, oh my god, they have magazines on these guys. This is cool. And so I just started buying them every, all the time. And that was it. But I just like to—I like drawing them. I used to draw. I actually wanted to be a comic book artist, originally, and um, before I got into high school. And so I used to just draw them. I, I think they're fun to draw. I noticed you did a TV small
0: build episode. Uh-huh. How was that and like the end
1: result? Yeah, it was fun. It was different because it was, uh, um, there was a budget, and I wasn't used to that. <laughs> but uh, I'm used to like writing double-page spreads with like 5,000 Green Lanterns flying through the air and fighting 5,000 Red Lanterns and 5,000 Black Lanterns. And so uh, um, I had to tone, tone kind of tailor my script to a budget. And, and I, we did have to. I remember a lot of budget meetings where I had to just keep cutting away and cutting away and cutting away. Um, but the greatest part about it is that col- collaborate. I love collaboration. I like people. Um, I like writing a lot. It's awesome to do, but I, I get a little like I just want to hang out with people and talk about stories and ideas, and so that's why I like to collaborate with people. And so with uh, um, with Smallville it was fun because I got to go. I went to the set. and I worked with the director, uh, um, Glenn Winner and, and the actors and the producers kept reshaping the script and rewriting the dialogue, and it was great to, to see them um, see them. Uh, uh, Play out a scene, and then I would go back in and um, and rewrite the scene and tweak the dialogue because it just didn't sound sound right. But it was really a fantastic experience. I got very lucky because the people on it were incredibly nice. You hear horror stories of people who rewrite your scripts, and and they just all they did was give me direction and, and really help me out. And um, it was a great experience. It was really lucky. Anybody
0: else? Yeah. Um, now that you're co-writing a flash movie and you're uh that's right. i uh, doing DC online and charge try a lot of
1: stuff. Where you see yourself about five years? I don't know. Hopefully, <laughs> hope we're doing Green Lantern two and 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 a bunch of other DC movies. And I, I mean, I hope that the DC characters, you know, I hope got characters and big, big and small like Blue Beetle. I love the new Blue Beetle. My hope is to really get that new that character uh, um, out there in, in prominence and the Teen Titans, Cyborg. Everybody would be. Uh, my, my goal is to just get as much. Um, as much DC, I want kids. To, I want my nieces to grow up surrounded by DC stuff, not Iron Man and Spider Man. So that's that's my my ultimate goal is to to have them have green rings on. my um, my niece is actually named Kara after Supergirl, um, and so she. But she she refuses to call herself. She's three. She says no, I'm Superman. She just refuses to call herself Supergirl. I think my brother might be a little concerned with that, but. Uh, it's really cute, but they, my, my, my hope is that um, I, I think that superheroes, especially DC, like I've talked about, the, the inspirational element of these guys, like for me The Flash is, is all about, the, the way I've kind of re- re- looked at The Flash is emotionally Barry Allen is at, at a uh, standstill in his life. He has—he doesn't connect with people until he's hit by a bolt of light and he becomes the flash and then he has to interact with people and save people and he begins to realize I, I can move forward in life. He's so anchored down by the past and so the flash becomes about something. It becomes about not letting all the regrets and, and the tragedies in your past stop you from living your life and, and stop you from moving forward and, and that's going to be all buried in, you know, guys with you know, ice guns and you know, time travel and all that fun stuff. But I want to bury that in there, because I think it's a, again a good, a good emotional message for people in general. It's you know something we all have to deal with. We all have things that you know we wish we could change. We wish we could go back and change. But we we've got, we we've got to embrace the now and move forward. Um, and so the my goal is to really uh, have the DC heroes out there because I do think that they're fun and they're entertaining. But I also think that they they teach us a lot about ourselves and about, you know, about life. Even if we don't know where they're doing it.
0: No, it's okay. Yeah, it's speech. perfect. Sorry. Yeah,
1: I uh, talked to Mark Strong this morning.
0: Well, Mark Strong is actually yeah. really cool.
1: He's great. He called me up uh, and we talked about Sinestro for about half an hour. And um, and uh, got into his character, and, and the casting is just um, phenomenal. The dailies that I've I've seen. I'm going back down to New Orleans in, in a couple weeks, uh, but I have high hopes for this one. Really high hopes. Yeah. I was always scared um, that the technology of like, filmmaking wouldn't be able to like perhaps you know like capture green light. Yeah. I'm curious like, in terms of like, effects post makeups, post Spider I don't need detail. I just. I just well, the, you know, the costume is going to be entirely computer generated, uh, and that's because in the comics, the ring generates the suit. So we want to go th- for authentic looks. Um, uh, he looks he, the costume is very faithful to the comics. There's a few tweaks, but uh, it's Green Lantern. Um, the construct designs I've seen have looked great. The, the Green Lantern Core look great. It's all going to be in post. A lot of this stuff because no one's going to wear a, a big um, Kilowog suit, but. Uh, um, but it's, so far, it's, you know, I think that this is the right time to make this movie. Uh, Martin Campbell did a great job reinventing James Bond for Casino Royale. So, uh, again, I have such high hopes for it. Um, and I'm very particular about this one. So. <laughs> We're going to see uh, Caldwell. And, okay, oh, I haven't seen much of her fucking oh yeah. A you'll, see, you'll see her coming up really soon. Um, Cowgirl, right now, Hal Jordan has always had this on-off relationship with his his boss, Carol Ferris, who runs an an aircraft company. Um, And in the comics, there's he's been dating another pilot named Cowgirl, and but now he's kind of been flirting with Carol again, and it's going to go a little bit further than that. So, and then Cowgirl will find out, so she won't react. Mm, More of a Cowgirl Hal showdown, I think. Yeah.
0: See, I can believe that. Test pilot that he would be juggling to cowgirl, is that the name? Yeah, Yeah. okay, but she doesn't look like that, like she's good looking, right? She wears a
1: cowboy hat whenever they're in a bar. (laughs) (laughs) And I, you know, I'll tell you why I called her cowgirl. Um, it's actually interesting because I want to create a new uh, a new supporting cast character for Hal Jordan. Supporting cast characters just get lost in comics, and so I wanted her to have a very specific identity and a a big introduction and um, and a call sign because I would spent a lot of time with, uh, I went to Edwards Air Force Base and spent a lot of time with test pilots up there and they all had call signs. And so um, Hal Jordan in the first issue I wrote saves this plane and the pilot comes out and she takes off her helmet and her blonde hair falls down and Hal smiles and says, uh, yellow, my one weakness. And and then they start a relationship but she's called cowgirl and, and because I thought people would remember that name. Rather than you know, Jillian whatever, Perlman, yeah. Even I forget it.
0: Any other questions? Uh, you and then you and I think that'll I just have a question about you talked about collaboration. and am about your collaboration with your artists and like how much of that works in the story. Is there anybody that like when you get to argument, like, oh, they kind of made it better?
1: Yeah, I mean it's funny is that every art, Jeff Loeb actually had taught me how important it was to to make sure you know who you're working with artistically because everybody's strengths are different, including our own, everyone's weaknesses are different. and So like when I started working with Gary Frank, who's a phenomenal artist, he does a, super, a lot of Superman stuff I've done with him. I would start cutting out dialogue because his expressions were so good, I could just say, like, I don't want to cover that up. And I'd cut dialogue and I'd cut dialogue and finally I evolved my scripts to a place where I had the silent panels built into my scripts, so it takes you a while to kind of uh, um, figure out your artist. But when you trust your artist and your artist, you know your artist is going to make the story better. It's you know there's nothing there's nothing more fantastic in the world. Gary lives in Italy and I've never met him. I'm going over there actually this fall, um, so we can work on the Batman stuff. But he uh, um, he's a fantastic collaborator, and I like to you know I like to talk a lot, so we'll talk on the phone. Um, he wakes up around 11 o'clock here so we'll talk at night sometimes and he keep me up late but we'll talk about uh, the stories and takes on little scenes and um, that's collaborating is the best part of, of comic books because it's so pure. You've got your writer and your artist and your editor you have an inker and you have a colorist and everything else but really it's only a couple people working on a project whereas with like Smallville there's a million people. And the features there's a lot of people so you really have a a pure representation of what you want to get across but um you know I've been very fortunate especially right now I work with I think the best artists in the business by far and it and it helps change my writing because I can let them tell the story or show the story so I don't have to tell the story I can let the panels just be there and I can let the images be there and and um yeah cl- collaborating's great
0: what style do you write in is it more like
1: the Marvel style no I, d- I don't do plot style there's two times there's two types of writing comics there's a, a thing called plot style which a lot of Marvel people used to do they don't do it so much yeah. anymore where you'd write page one and here's what happens on the page page two and here's what happens on the page and I, I never like that then there's a full script where you actually break down panel one dialogue panel two dialogue panel three silent panel four dialogue and I always prefer that because the line the lines that you're writing sometimes someone says a line that's really emotional important and you want to get in there and see their the reaction. And when you write plot style, you're kind of at the whim of, you know, even the artist is like, I I don't really know the emotional content of it. Mm. Um, So it's, I find it not as a a little bit of a, plot style is a little bit of like a a factory. You know, where you got, you can write, you got to write an issue and you're like page two through, I've seen plot scripts where like they're pages four through seven, Captain America fights the Red Skull, go crazy. and like, go, like, it's just to me, that's a little insulting. It's putting all the work on the artist. I'm artists. sure
0: Jack Kirby liked
1: it. Yeah, well, well but it's, it's... Unfortunately, though, a fight a fight isn't just, hey, they fight through a bookstore and, and they blow through a wall. You know, if you, want, if you have a fight, you want that fight to actually mean something and resonate, and even from the props that you pick up, you know, the little books in the background, you want every, every detail you can possibly get.
0: We have, we have one more question over yeah. there? I just wanted to ask you about how you kind of as the writer... Writing like big bank comics almost, as opposed to anthology, single, slower things. Whenever Green
1: Lantern does slow down, you know. Yeah, well, Green Lantern's slowing down a little bit right now, but not not too much. Um, I like to keep that energy up for that that book. I feel like right now it's, um, you know, we'll have a lot more character. I think char- quieter scenes, but the big scenes will be big still. Um, the I've done a lot of event books. I've probably done more event books. Than most writers, um, and I love event books because I love a lot of characters, and I love the uh, the, the high stakes of of um, the the you know the stuff going on. I love all the I- interactions, and I like working with characters like Mera, uh, like obscure characters who I, I I'm like, wow, that character has so much potential, and I knew I was going to bring Aquaman back, and I said, if I can build up Mera through Blackest Night and make people actually like Mera. Then when Aquaman comes back, half the job's done, because he's with the coolest, you know, the coolest superhero in the world. She's a badass. And so when Aquaman came, so my, my, uh, my mission in that was to figure out a core group in Blackest Night, figure out a core group of characters. It was going to be Hal Jordan and Barry Allen as kind of the cornerstones, and I wanted them at the front and center, because DC always has Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman at the front and center, and, um, and Green Lantern and Flash should be there. So uh, the way I approached it was, well, we're going to do this, and I want to bring in a couple other characters that didn't necessarily have a lot of spotlight, and um, and would serve uh, would serve the ending well, and and that's so it's a mix of of both. Is you can kind of trick people to read Mera in Blackest Night, but if I did Mera one shot, I couldn't really do that. Like they'd kind of blow it off. Maybe now they would check it out, especially if she had a red ring on, but you know the. The greatest thing about events for me is that it's you're exposing new characters to an audience that no, normally would not go look at them. Like with Brightest Day, we've got a book about Aquaman, Firestorm, Hawkman, Hawkgirl, Martian Manhunter, and Deadman, who I think is kind of a breakout character right now. And, you know, Deadman is uh, this character who's a spirit who's come back to life, and he's not very happy about it, which is bizarre. Um, and uh, but we've got Brightest Day now, which is reaching a really wide audience with characters that normally. You know, their books are canceled in, in, you know, in, in a year or two. So the hope is to use these events for good. Not, it's not about, you know. obviously DC loves the sales when the events work and they like the crossovers and they like all this stuff, but for me it's gotta be more about character and building things so that when the event's over we have a better DC universe or you have characters that, that are a little more polished or um, a little bit more important to the, to the mythos. But also events, I, the reason I like events is, again, collaboration. I like sitting in a room with Peter Tomasi and, and J.T. Krull and everybody, all my, all my friends and my, my fellow writers. Pete sends me a script. We do this to each other all the time, and I read it and I mail him my back. I'm like, damn it, you, you know, I got, now I gotta try and beat you because it's so good. And then I'll, I'll send him mine and he'll do the same thing. And so working with other writers, if you can have enough self-awareness, like as a writer, I'm sure a lot of you guys probably want to be writers or are writers. Um, I think as a writer you need a lot of self-awareness and a lot of honesty with yourself about what you're good at and what you're not good at and what what your accomplishments or your your ultimate goals are Um, and if you have people that are like that that you're working with it's it's even better.
0: Well um, one thing guys, Um, we're an independent bookstore and um, Jeff is here to sign Pretty much anything you guys bring. Absolute Green Lantern Rebirth, though, is the main book we're focusing on. But if, if you bring some, if you brought something from home to sign, we please ask you to purchase a book here, because, like I said, we're an independent bookstore, and we want to have more events like this for you guys. You guys purchasing a book here will really help us, and I really want to thank Jeff Johns for being here. Up
1: the line to, uh You've been listening to the Skylight Books Author Reading Series. Don't forget that you can check out this and all of our other great podcasts at www.skylightbooks.com. Today's music was provided by Ashley and Arlo. Oh my! You can check them out at MySpace, Facebook, or at the iTunes Music Store. Thanks for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon. <laughs>